Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. There's a very simple and interesting word that you and I use over and over again, just, well, just in common conversation, various situations. But the Bible uses this particular word well over 400 times. And it's not the word is, or the word the, or the word a. No, it is another word that has vast implications and significance. It's the word weak, or weeks. In other words, W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K, but W-E-E-K, the word weak or weeks, occurs well over 400 times from Genesis to Revelation. Now, why would that be? What is it about that word that might have unique and particular significance to the creator of the universe and with regard to the creation, also with regard to the conclusion of his salvation story? Could it be that this word seven or sevens is of massive significance far more than most people would realize. Now, we know that the number seven is represented as the the number of perfection or completion and so on. We know about uh, the seven days of creation, and we know about the, the letters to the seven churches of Asia. But beyond that, the word seven just doesn't seem to compute too much, unless, of course, you're familiar with the seven feasts of the Lord, or the seven Moedim, or appointed times right there in Leviticus chapter 23. But aside from that, the word seven doesn't seem to compute with very many people. Actually, it's the word, the Hebrew word, Shabuah, and uh, it's the word meaning seven. That's right, seven or sevens. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to have a fascinating conversation with regard to this interesting word, Shabuah, or seven. Our special guest today, Paul Wozniak, is joining us. His book is called Shabuah Millennium, Shabuah Millennium, Long-Term Biblical Timing. Wow. So this has something to do, apparently, with prophecy, according to our guest. And I believe that he's right. To what extent he is right, it remains to be seen. But we're going to talk about this openly here on Viewpoint Today. Paul, it's good to have you on the program. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you, Chuck. Well, uh, you have uh, hit upon a, a unique title here. Uh, many books dealing with the issue of prophecy. Uh, we'll talk about the number seven, and we'll talk about the millennium, the seventh millennium, and so on. But you've gone much deeper into this than most people have delved. Uh, what is it that caused you to do that? What caused me to do do that, Chuck, is I, I kept running across this particular word, and I noticed that there's it it it's set up in Scripture like it, it occurs at the very beginning of the of the Bible in the first two chapters, and it's repeated 
over and over, and sometimes it is, ex- it is expressly repeated, and sometimes it is implied. It stems from the, the precedent-setting, and let's just call it Shabuah, so people can kind of understand the, um, the, the word and the way it's spelled. It's S-H-A-B-U-A, and it's also spelled with a W-A. Right. But let's just, so people can have a better um, feel for the word, let's, let's use the word Shabuah. All right. My, so my Hebrew word, guru tells me it's Shabuah, but we'll use yes, Shabuah yes, since that looks to be more like an English kind of a spelling or, or that, pronunciation. That, exactly. That, that is why I use that. Um, it's be more of an English, English, English ease and, and, and <laughs> easier for, for, you know, a person just that, uh, sure. that has American English to understand it. So, so anyway, the, the, the very first Shabuah is, is implied, but it's obvious when you know what you're looking for. You see, a Shabuah is a complete time period of seven. And let me tell you how we know that. We know that, that the word, the word Shabuah has two root words in it. One of the root words has the meaning of complete or mm-hmm. full or satisfactory, All right. plenty. That's the one root. The other root is the cardinal number seven. So what you have in this one word, S-H-A-B-U-A, in that one word, you have two root words that have two completely different meanings. The, the, the meaning of complete and the digit seven. Well, it almost sounds sort of like, uh, shall we say, uh, Sabbath completion. Sabbath completion. Well, the Sabbath is the seventh. That's correct, but it's also the, the completion is, of the seven days. That's, right. that's exactly right. And the seventh so millennium is the completion of seven millennia. Or yeah, correct. it's it is the completion, right? That is correct. It is the it is the 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 final the final the seventh period. Correct. But so so what you have. When Shabuah, when you find Shabuah, as I said, sometimes it's expressly written in the Bible where the word Shabuah is actually used, mm-hmm. where it's translated as weak, as you properly, as you, as you correctly identified. But other times it, it is implied and you need, and it's, you need to, to know that it'll, it'll give you the context to know that it is a Shabuah. So the, in every instance that the word Shabuah is used, in every single instance, it, it is used in reference to a time period, Chuck. Mm-hmm. So in other words, what you have is you have three things. You have the root word meaning complete. Right. You have the root word meaning seven, and you have a time period. So in every instance, it is a complete time period of seven. All right. So it, now, could, it could mean more than just uh, hours or days or weeks, it could be years, it could be whatever, but it's talking about a complete time period. Of seven. Of seven, right. Of seven. And what's unique about this, you see, this is different than than the word. It, it, the Bible also uses the word seven and week, but this is the Shabuah, which is different, because Shabuah, is a complete time period of seven, but all of the periods are not alike. In other words, what you have with the Shabuah is you have six periods, six identical periods that are related to work or activity. And then the seventh and final period is always a period of rest. 
and the Bible calls that period the Sabbath. All right, so let's, let's move beyond this for just a quick moment. If we were to, Im, uh, by application, uh, take what you have just said, we talk about seven days in a week, but then we have the seven feasts of the Lord, and the completion of that is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is tantamount to the Sabbath of all of those feasts, the final one with the uh, the Savior in our presence. It seems that uh, this is this is a fascinating uh, view here, and we're going to pick up on that as we move forward here. Our guest today, Paul Wozniak, with his book Shabuah or Shabua Millennium: Long Term Biblical Timing. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, I hope we'll have that same significance to you as we understand a little bit more deeply the meaning of the word seven or sevens, uh, particularly as it applies to biblical time frames and understanding not only the end of the age, but also the beginning from the end, the end Mm. from the beginning. That's what we're really looking at here today on Viewpoint, friends. And remember, you who are listening to this program are always the jury. And so we need to present this to you in such a way that the jury can understand the significance of what we're talking about and then make practical application so that it all comes together in one uh, package. And so... We're attempting to lay the foundation for this to understand uh, where we're going with this. And, of course, it's rooted deeply in the understanding of the word seven or sevens, uh, which the Hebrew word is Shabuah or Shabua. Uh, and our guest calls his book the Shabua Millennium. It's about long-term biblical timing. Now, one of the problems, uh, Paul, with long-term biblical timing is that a lot of people have gotten themselves into very embarrassing and almost heretical situations by trying to set times, uh, not seasons so much, but times and precise time of the Lord's coming. Is that what you're trying to do? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Just wanted to That's- check out up front because that may cause some of our listeners to check out from listening to us. <laughs> no, no, that is uh, that is not it at all. Okay. The Bible is that is very precise when using this word. Uh, as I said, it's always a complete time period of seven, and the Bible references it in terms of days, years, and a millennium. So, or in this case, millennia, which would be multiple, so a right. complete time period of seven millennia. 
All right, so if we go back to the beginning, if we go back to the beginning, there was a fellow by the name of Bishop Usher. Yes. And with all of his calculations, he came up with the conclusion, the viewpoint, that the creation occurred in the year 4004 B.C. Now, others have come up with some different conclusions, but he went to great, great lengths. And that seems to have been the most accepted time period because very few people have gone back to try to do that Herculean effort to calculate. So is that where we begin the counting of sevens? That's absolutely. Well, uh, the answer is yes and no, because that's that's ultimately the, the year of creation. And mm-hmm. I would agree with them. And I'm one of those crazy guys, Chuck, that actually did a timeline of the Bible from yeah. scratch. Well, you know, I we have this on record or... now, Paul. You have just admitted for the record that you are a crazy guy. Yes. Yes, that's absolutely true. Just I'm be aware of that. Okay. <laughs> crazy for Jesus. And I'm crazy for his word. Okay. Because I have found it to be absolutely accurate. And, Chuck, when I'm talking about absolutely accurate, I'm not talking about close or approximate, mm-hmm. or about. I'm telling, uh, what I'm saying is that when you when you are on the right track, then it is it is spot on exactly. It's the dotting of the I, the crossing of the T's. God's Word is perfect. So he it's doesn't perfect. play games with his words like most Americans do. Not at all. And certainly not, not like That's our politicians. That, and that... It, <laughs> that's a a landmine right there well it is especially when you find out that so many of our pastors are are acting more like politicians and the politicians are trying to act more like pastors i so agree i so agree with you we need today we need we need the, the god's word to speak for itself and and there's so many things that the bible is absolutely clear on but pastors will steer away from it, and the reason they do that is because it's controversial. Mm-hmm. It doesn't match the the social, uh, you know. This really, we're in a social epidemic, are yeah. we not? I mean, people are just it's it's just gone so sideways. But yet, but yet, the great thing is is God's word cuts through this, and I, I, I will speak. Um, speak and champion God's word every single time. I'm not worried about other people. Right. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, those who are listening to this program are accustomed to uh, speak very straightly uh, concerning yeah. the word of God and to take him at his word. And then, you know, we have to do our own accommodation to his word rather than having his word accommodate to us. Okay. Mm, amen. So, amen. Uh, we start out with the beginning, in the great beginning, and we're not talking about a baseball uh, game here in the big inning. We're talking about the beginning of creation, of history as we know it on this planet, about 4004 B.C. Now, quickly move us from there. We're going to go back and pick up a whole lot of things, but quickly move us from there to the end so that we can then go back and fit things in. Okay, so what I did in my timeline, again, independent of the one that Usher did, independent of the one that Isaac Newton did, I did an extremely detailed timeline. It took me two years to do it. And um, the, the benefit that I had that Isaac Newton did not have and that Usher did not have is I have a computer. 
And so I was able to pinpoint things beyond just the co- just during the course of a year. Well, did you know that Isaac Newton was a human computer? Well, he was amazing. I mean, he, well, he was the one that actually created the calculus. Did you know that? Yes, yes, he did. Okay. in that regard, yes. Yeah. yeah, he he, he was considered the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, scientist ever in history. Amazing man. Yeah, amazing. amazing. Man. Okay, and he, and he did, and he did a Bible a Bible chronology as well. So I did this because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be influenced by any other scholar. So I started from scratch. All right. And and was able to was able to determine that 4004 BC is in fact the beginning. That's when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six. And I'm you know I don't I, I don't know where your listeners stand on this, but it was six six literal 24 hour days. And look at it this way, Chuck. God could have created, if God is God and he did it, he created, he could have done it in a millisecond, all of it, or he could have done it over six or, or 90 trillion years. But God's word, Genesis 1, tells us there was evening, there was morning, each day for six days. And so the, we have to understand then, Paul, that there's a reason, a specific reason why God did it that way, and that was to establish a calendar of weeks that we could yes. follow from the beginning to the end that would give us insight if our minds and our hearts were willing to embrace it. Wonderfully said. That's exactly what God was doing. What I do because I call that a precedent. The Bible does this all the time. Mm-hmm. All those stories in the Bible, those are history, yes, but those are also part of God, God weaving prophecy into Scripture. Mm-hmm. So the You're creation, right. the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest in chapter 2 of Genesis, that is a precedent-setting event. That's not just history of, God, how, of what God did for creation. That sets a precedent for every subsequent Shabuah. And that includes, there are Shabuah periods where the interval is weeks. So in other words, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, years. There Mm -hmm. are no Shabuah of weeks. It would be years. You have six years of farming, as an example. Mm -hmm. And the seventh year, the land was required to lie fallow. Right. You've got six six years of servitude, which is more in the Old Testament, or more like an employer-employee relationship. One year of freedom. The seventh year is freedom. Same thing with debt. Six years of debt. A seventh year of release. Mm-hmm. So you have the, the years. And, and then what you have is you've got this amazing, that God's master plan, his master plan and his timing is a Shabuah millennium. There'll be six thousand years of work literally labor the, the essentially the moment adam and eve sinned that's when the shabuah millennium began that's the first year chuck of six thousand years of work uh labor that's when god told adam you'll work the ground that's told when e- when god told eve you'll experience pain in childbirth all of that happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Mm-hmm. That's the start. You see, the 6,000 years, the Shabuah did not begin 
when God created everything, because he, Chuck, as you and I know, God created perfection. Adam and Eve were two of the most perfect people in on the perfect planet, right. with perfect environment. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no evil. There would have been no need for a Shabua, a Shabua millennium. It just wasn't necessary. But the moment Adam and Eve sinned, that's when a Shabuah millennium became necessary because God, for our sake, there's a limit to how long he will allow Satan to influence, sin to thrive, death to occur, right. and evil come to, to this earth. And I say, hallelujah. Thank you, God, that it, you have an end to this. And what, and what, what we're seeing is that we're coming up on the work, we're, we're approaching the end of this 6,000-year period. And I don't know... Are you sure we're not already up. in it? No, we're not. Well, how no, do you know not. that for sure? The reason I know that for sure is for two reasons. Number one, we will know when we enter the tribulation, because it'll be horrific, and when the tribulation happens, that's when the Antichrist will be revealed. That's according to Second Timothy 2. Well, no, the Antichrist so, won't be revealed until there's a massive falling away of professing Christians. Well, actually, what ha- that, that happens, Chuck, what, what, the, what Scripture says is that if, if there's, a, there's a timing element involved. The 6,000 the 6, years goes clear through the end of the tribulation. I I wouldn't I would not disagree with that. And it's at that particular juncture, Paul, that you and I might have some differences of viewpoint or opinion, uh, because first of all, the Hebrew calendar says that we're somewhere around the year 5780 or something like that instead of 6000 which would mean that there would another be another 220 years to go until the end of the sixth millennium. On the other hand, there are those who say that the counting of the uh, rabbis and so on uh, of the Hebrew calendar is radically in error and is off by somewhere around 200 years. So uh, we're, we're left in a situation where from the Hebrew standpoint, the Jewish standpoint, they don't think we're even close yet. And from the Christian standpoint, depending upon the theological position that you have, we're closer or not as close as we might think. Well, let me give you some numbers, all right? So let me put this in perspective from a strictly numerical standpoint all in right. terms of numbers of elapsed years. If you take 4,000, this is how you can calculate the elapsed years from, from the moment of creation. Okay. So if you take 4,004, take 4,004, add, that's the BC years, add 2023, which is our current year. Mm-hmm. Okay? So 4,004 plus 2,023 is 6,027. All right. Correct? So we could yeah. actually be already into the seventh millennium. No. Well, according to those numbers, we could. Well, first of all, first of all, subtract one because right. there's no year zero. True. So Six thousand twenty-seven. You subtract one, you're at six thousand twenty-six. So what that means? What that means? Since 
since the rapture has not happened. You see. Okay, but um, hold on, hold on just a second. You're going to state, make a statement now, and this isn't intended to be argumentative, by the way. Uh, This is discussion. You're you're about Mm -hmm. to make a statement that presumes something that is not a fact. It's a belief, but it's not a fact. And that is the timing of the rapture. That's correct. Okay, and we need that, to, people need to understand that because what you're about to say presumes that it is a fact. And and I would say that that it is difficult. It is difficult to come up with any other interpretation of Scripture when when looking at the entire picture okay. of God's word. The Old Testament and New Testament, yeah. I can, and we can we can talk about this is an important element yeah. of it. So we'll pick I, up on that after this break, friends. Terrific. Fascinating conversation. Paul Wozniak, our guest, his book Shabua Millennia, long term biblical timing. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section. God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friends. Our viewpoint does determine destiny. And as you're seeing, if you've been listening to the program today, there are differences of viewpoints with regard to some of the issues with related related to biblical prophecy, related to timings, and so on. Our guest today is uh, bringing a particular focus to the number seven and sevens, which is uh, the Hebrew word, Shabuah or Shabua, uh, and he's talking now about the Shabua millennium, which would be the seventh millennium of human history. Now, the timing that our guest Paul is about to give us is presumed upon or based upon a belief that the rapture occurs before a seven-year tribulation. Am I correct, Paul? That's correct. Okay. I disagree with that, and uh, I will tell you what my view is. By the way, uh, that was my view for about 40 years uh, until, as I went back through the Scriptures over and over again, I just could not find any scriptural basis to absolutely justify that. And with numerous people, some of the key uh, prophetic voices in the land today, having come on this program and admitted to me on the air that there were no specific scriptures that actually supported a pre-trib rapture. So 
That having been said, it's not to be argumentative. It's just to place this so that our listeners can understand that there's a difference of viewpoint here. And I will tell you what my viewpoint is, and that is, since the Scripture says that man is not appointed, or that that, uh, Christians are not appointed to God's wrath, and since God's wrath does not begin to be poured out until after the midpoint of that seven-week period, Shabuah, uh, therefore, it would appear that the rapture occurs somewhere after the midpoint of that seven-year period rather than at the beginning. That's my viewpoint and the viewpoint of an increasing number of people uh, around the country, but uh, neither you nor I have been given a specific word from the Lord to assure us on either point, have we? Well, uh, all we have is we've, we've got God's Word, and we do Right. To take God's word and to and to interpret exactly. it in, the, in its context. And I've just but given you uh, God's word with regard to the context, with regard to the pouring out of his wrath. The wrath of man is not the wrath of God. God has not uh, given us any kind of indication that we're delivered from the wrath of man ever in the scriptures, including at the end of the age. Therefore, if we're going to avoid the wrath of God, which doesn't begin to be poured out until after the midpoint of that seven-week period or seven-year period, uh, that's where the conclusion is. It must be uh, somewhere after that midpoint of the Shabuah or seven-week period. All right. Now, uh, that having been said, that foundation having been laid as the difference of viewpoint between us, Help us to get, to grasp uh, where these numbers that you were about to lay out lie. All right. So where I was at was if you take 4,004 plus, year, plus 2023 for right. our current year, mm-hmm. that's 6,027, and you subtract one because there's no year zero between right. D.C. and A.D. convergence, mm-hmm. you arrive at 6,026. Right. And if you subtract 6,000 from that, you have a period of 26 years mm-hmm. that we are that you have to explain if it is true that God created the heavens and earth in 4004 BC, and there the there is a very logical, reasonable explanation for it is that and that that is simply that Adam and Eve lived in the garden as of this year, they lived in the garden for 26 years without sinning. Without okay, sin, now the Bible death. doesn't actually tell us that, though. Does no, it? You're, sur- you're, you're surmising uh, that that is the case. Yes, unless it's... An, see, because as I, as I said, the Bible is not close, it's not about, it's not approximate. It's absolutely accurate. And the way God has said every other Shabua of days or years... Mm-hmm is absolutely exact. It's not like approximate. And so I see where you're coming from. Okay. So, so there's 26 years and I go through in my book, the five options and none of them make sense. Approximation over time, et cetera. Uh, None of them make sense. Unless, unless the date of creation is off from the get go. Well, if that would be the case, (laughs) then you'd have, 
you'd have a real problem because that it, it, I mean, you, you can you literally can tie these dates together. The Bible gives us enough information right. to literally tie those dates together. Well, that's why Archbishop so just, uh, Usher has provided what, for most people, is the most believable uh, date for creation. Yes, and I would concur with his date. I came up with the same date independently. Again, I didn't even use his material. All right, and but you weren't me... even Isaac Newton to be able to do no. that. No, not yeah. Isaac Newton. Okay. Not Isaac Newton. Just the guy. I mean, I've got three degrees, but uh, you know that that's uh, that's my claim to fame. Okay. I don't have any, and I don't. I don't even claim any special revelation. I just what mm-hmm. I do. What I do claim is that I have I have studied and studied God's right. word inside and out, and fast and pray for understanding. That's mm-hmm. gotcha. that's what I claim. So let me let me let me give you something that you've never thought about um, in terms of the way to look at the timing mm-hmm. that may change the way you look at right. the timing of the the rapture. Okay. All right? So um, the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. The Book of Re- if we look at the Book of Re- Revelation and you understand that this that God is giving us a chronological prophecy. This prophecy is chronological, and if you understand that, you see the way where there's no opportunity for the the believers to be on earth when the tribulation starts. Okay, hold on just a second. You have just yeah. made a statement that presumes yeah. something not in evidence, and that is what the Bible actually is referring to as the tribulation since... The Bible never uses that term to describe a seven-year period, not once. Oh, that, 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 that's correct. It does All not. right. But There's only does, one period of time that's referred to in that sense, and it's called the Great Tribulation, Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, which occurs after the midpoint of that seven-year period. Oh, I, I would concur with you in terms of the terminology. However, um, what you have to consider is the the context of what's happening in scripture and then and then so while it doesn't use the word tribulation in the in the passages that I'm going to tell you about for the first three and a half years it is very much a tribulation okay it is very much and so that's that's where I'm going all right now let me give you we're, we're having an open conversation here okay this is Fantastic. You are tremendously, not just sincere, but uh, diligent uh, in your pursuit of this and in truth. I want to take you back to the late 1700s. There was an event that took place. It was called the French Revolution. Have you ever read A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens? Uh, Years ago. Okay. Okay. I have never read a book that stuck with me more than that. I read it in high school. Okay. Yes. And here's the situation. The French Revolution began with a time of what we would liken to a period of tribulation. It was very, very frightening, troubling. People, heads were rolling off of Madame Guillotine. In the the heart of Jerusalem, down the streets of Jerusalem, the blood was flowing for three years. Then 
all of a sudden, things changed. And they changed to what was called the Great Terror. You remember that? The Great Terror. That's analogous to the Great Tribulation. And when that began, the number of heads that began to roll off of Adam guillotine were tripled, quadrupled, and all hell broke loose in France to the point where ultimately Robespierre, who was the leader, a lawyer leader of the revolution, actually was declared Messiah. And he served that role as Messiah for one day until his head got cut off. Uh (laughs) Okay, the reason I'm bringing this up is because that French Revolution was very much like a type of the final week of Daniel, that final Shabuah, where the first seven, the first three and a half years are troubling, very troubling. Look, look what's happening right now in our world. You can't say that we're not having tribulation now. To say that is to be blind in one eye and refuse to see out of the other. We are in a period of tribulation. How great that tribulation is, that's another matter. But we are. You can't deny that. It's like a kid putting his hand over his eye, over his face, and saying, look, Ma, you can't see me. So there are are suppositions that are being made here in trying to set forth these dates that I think we need to be very careful about. That having been said, let's go forward and see where your numbers take us. Sure. Sure. So there's a there's a number of things to unpack here based on what you said. And I'll start with Daniel. You mentioned Daniel. Right. Daniel talks about a final period of seven years, does he not? Right. Okay. And do, and who is Daniel writing to, Chuck? Who's Daniel talking about? God says to Daniel, I have determined 70 weeks for whom? The Jews? And Jerusalem. Right. Now, hold hold that thought. We're going into a break here. And uh, hold that thought. We're on our way to Jerusalem through the words of Daniel. We'll be right back. There you go. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. You may wonder why we have not offered our guest book here on the program today, and it's not because of differences of viewpoint or opinion. It's because it hasn't come out yet. (laughs) That's the reason. And uh, this is the first time I think this has ever happened, where we brought on a guest where the book wasn't even close to coming out. Uh, Am I correct there? Well, it's probably going to be April. Oh, April. Okay. It's it's, it's in the advanced copy that you have. Right. Okay. So then I'm going to, I'm going to offer it here, friends. Your gift of $25 or more to Save America Ministries is going to put Shabua Millennium on in your hands. Now, our guest today, Paul Wozniak, has done a tremendous piece of work here. There's no question about it. It's a tremendous piece of work. Fascinating and uh, worthy of of uh, thoughtful consideration, which we're doing here on the air, giving thoughtful consideration mm. through discussion. We're not having an argument. This is thoughtful processing of something that is of great significance to all of us. Right, Paul? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I just want you and all of our listeners to understand that this is not an argument. This is discussion about something that has great significance. All right, go forward. You were uh, with the prophet Daniel and uh, chapter 9 and leading us into the message to the Jews in Jerusalem. Yes. So the the overarching point to, to bringing up Daniel here is the message to Daniel was about the end of time and the final seven years specifically. The entire, In other words, not just the final seven years, actually the entire 70 Shabuas of Daniel. That's correct. That's what that means. It's 490 years. 77s, and it says. That's, that, well, yes, yes, exactly. It's, and it's, the word that is used there is a Shabuah. Right. So the final Shabuah, which is a complete time period of seven years, as well as all the 483 uh, of the additional Shabuah years, all of those are for two things, very specifically, mm. for the Jews mm-hmm. and for Jerusalem, for the Jews in Jerusalem. Right. The time clock stopped. It stopped for the Jews in Jerusalem, and we're in what we call the church age. All right, so it stopped so, at the crucifixion of Christ. That's correct. Crucifixion that's and resurrection right. of Christ. That's right. That's right. So that was the, so that was the first part of. Four, let me just use the the, the large numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's four hundred eighty three years past from Daniel's prophecy. Right. Exactly to the day mm-hmm. to, to the day to the year, and from that moment on, and that that was the year, the year of Jesus's um, crucifixion and resurrection mm-hmm. is also the year of Pentecost, the birth of the church. Right. And so we've had we've had two th- almost two thousand years of church history since then. Which, by the way, was focused. the end of was was the fourth Shabua or fourth feast of the Lord called the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. <laughs> yes, it's, did you know that it's actually called the Feast of Shabua? Well, I know that's but but we're yeah. using the word weeks uh, because that's right. That's, that's right. We call. Yeah, everybody calls it Feast of Weeks, um, but that's actually a, it's the Feast of Shabuah. Exactly. And, and if you, yes, and you, yeah, that's a. I, 
it, it's an amazing prophecy. It's an amazing prophecy. I wrote about this in my first book. Anyway, let me just get back to the, the point at hand. So, <laughs> so, so seven years is carved out at the end of time for the Jews in Jerusalem. And so you've got this, this, this gap in period of time that it, we look at as the church age. So here's my first point. My okay. first point is that the seven years are for the Jews in Jerusalem. It does not mention the church. Okay. Let me, let wait, me wait, wait, the, what, the what does not mention the church? In Daniel's prophecy. No, it doesn't mention. Okay. You're, that's correct. It does correct. not mention the church. And it doesn't even hint at the church. No, there is no hint of the church anywhere in the Old Testament directly, except except in the Book well, of Moses when it talks about the church of the wilderness. Um, okay, so the church in that sense, but there's an there's a uh, what not a, not an illusion. There's a a a like a reference to the church in in a prophetic reference to the church in some context. And I don't want to go off on a tangent, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I'm just trying so to hold your me... feet to the to the fire in terms of actual biblical statements rather than sure. Uh, suppositions. Sure, sure. So the point, the, the, so the the point is this: that the the prophecy to Daniel, the, the seventy weeks of Daniel that we often refer to, that is a message for the Jews in Jerusalem. Okay. Do we agree on that. Okay. So the 490 years are for the Jews in Jerusalem, and so is the final seven years. That's my point. Second thing is you talk about the wrath, the wrath, the three nets. So that a seven. So we we both agree that there's a seven year period. Um, it's not all called the tribulation. I agree. I agree with that. But it is three and a half years. The first three and a half years are a time of. I would I would argue that they have a time of wrath. It's a time of Satan's wrath on this earth. Yep, it's like the, the French Revolution. The, it's like the first years of the French Revolution. Right. And the second half, clearly agree with you, that would be a time of God's wrath, where, where God is done. He's done. There's three and a half more years when God's wrath is going to be poured out. That's correct. However, when we, the Church is told they are not pointed for wrath. No, it doesn't, doesn't say that. God's it says God's wrath. Where, are you talking about First Thessalonians four? We are not appointed to wrath. That's talking Correct. about God's wrath. It's not talking about man's. If that were the case, man would not be experiencing any wrath today, or ever would have. No, it's Satan. It's sat- satanic wrath. Who do we have here? Let's look at. Um, look, it's either me, sat- me... Satan's wrath or God's wrath. You can't have it both ways. No, I believe it. I believe the first three and a half years are are Satan's wrath on. Okay, are, in not, other words, poured Satan's out through yes, humankind, right. poured out through That's humankind, correct. not through God. That's correct. Okay, it's, it's wrath on this earth. The church is spared from it. We don't know. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that. Nothing. Nothing. Well, it, it That's a presumption on your part. Well, let's read it. Let's read First Thessalonians chapter 4, and it says this. It says, we, that is the church, is not appointed unto wrath, talking about God's wrath. Because if you, mean, if you mean that it applies to all wrath, 
then how do you explain the 18 guys over there in Libya on the shores of the Mediterranean that had their heads cut off in front of national television? Was that not man's wrath? Was that not Satan's wrath? Of course there was. Okay. Then, look, we got to be honest about this. God's people are not spared man's wrath. Period. There is no place in the Bible that tells us that man is spared God's wrath. I mean, man's wrath. Man's wrath. We're spared God's wrath. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For God is talking to believers in Thessalonica. Right. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath. That's correct. His wrath. That's what it's talking about. No, but that's but see that that goes against what you talk about about reading something into scripture. The whole Bible needs to be interpreted together, not just one verse, Paul. Oh, absolutely. And so, if you if you try to take your position and extrapolate it over history, it makes absolutely no sense. And this is the reason why. This is the reason why. Some of the chief proponents of pre-trib rapture have admitted over and over again on this program that there is no specific passage in the scripture to support it. It's a, it's a concoct, it, it's, it's like it's patched together, uh, and formed to be an easily marketable theology that people like to believe in so that they're not going to have to incur or prepare for any difficult times. That's why mm. it's so easily believed. Mm. And that's why I well, believed it for so long. Well, I, I, have, I have a completely different uh, viewpoint about it. Well, and yeah, obviously you do. And that's so okay, by the way. Daniel. So, terrific. My first point is Daniel. It's the Jews in Jerusalem. My second point is the wrath. We're not appointed for wrath. It does not say we're not appointed for God's wrath a very specific kind of wrath. And that's what I believe happens when the seven years begin. So my next point is the the Revelation, the book of Revelation. I believe that it the the rapture happens before the period of tribulation. And let me tell you let me explain what right. I mean. you've been you've been saying that unfortunately though the book of Revelation says that the wrath of God does not begin to be poured out until the end of Revelation chapter 6. Um well specifically that's what it says. The specific the specific word I totally agree with you. However, mm-hmm. what you can what you can read from this is what happened if you understand if you look at the context you can you can you can see that this is a period of extraordinary wrath that is no question about it we're in a period like that right now we're threatened with four world wars right now right now uh, and a civil war in the united states all at one time yes okay argument could be made an argument could be made that times were worse during World War One and World War Two. That argument that could be made too. That's correct. But this is unique, and let me tell you why it's unique. I mean, the the outline of the Book of Revelation is what I'm talking about. There's a very specific order. It's a chronological prophecy, and things. Here's it, it's like dominoes. In order for one domino to fall, 
the pre- the preceding one has to fall. Okay. Here's right. here's our problem so right now. We have about two minutes to go. Okay. And so what I'd like you to do is try mm-hmm. to take us to the end of of your conclusion as to where specifically we are right now based upon all of your presuppositions. Got it. Where we are at right now is we are we are on we are approaching the end of the six thousand years. Okay. We don't know when that six when that six thousandth year arrives, it will it it will be the end. That's mm-hmm. when Jesus returns to earth. Okay. However, and why is it that we don't know that when that is if everything is precise? Well, because God didn't give if we knew if we knew the year that Adam and Eve sinned in the in the garden. Okay. We would know the year the six thousand right. years. Okay, so that takes but, us back to the initial presupposition. Okay. That's right. All right. But there's mo- something more important than that. The, you see, before the six thousand years end, that that is when Jesus returns to Earth mm-hmm. for okay. the final thousand years. But before the seven years before that, we have a period of of upheaval on Earth like no period on, in history. Right. And this is where I go. So we're 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 not there yet. Well, I don't believe we're. I don't believe we we've entered the seven year period of tribulation. This, let me just call it the, the final seven years. And well, I don't um, believe we've entered into the last three and a half of those years. No, no, no. But no, whether we've entered into the first part, nobody knows yet. Right. We're in a period that we're in a period before the tribulation, according to Matthew, that Jesus describes as the beginning of birth pangs. This is a period of extraordinary upheaval on Earth, mm-hmm. including including pandemic, right. including COVID. I agree with all this, that. So it's re, it's 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 remarkable. All the all ten things that Jesus talked about mm-hmm. in this period are have happened and are happening. Right. But you see, in in if you look at the outline of Revelation, the churches on Earth in chapters two and three, in chapter four, verse one, that is. The rapture verse. And then is, after chapter 6, God's wrath is poured out, not on the children of, 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 uh, of faith, but on the children of disobedience, which goes exactly along with what I've been saying. So, <laughs> Paul, you've done a, a, a tremendous job here, and we could talk for probably hours uh, concerning this, but I want to make your book available we, because there's so much here. And agree with me on this that the end result of this is not to specify a specific time, but to urge people to get ready because the coming of Christ is soon. Oh, amen. All right. I mean, that is the bottom line. There you go. Thanks so much for joining us. And friends, become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. God bless. Point is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.